Our gospel reading this morning presents to us a strange picture indeed of one called King. Hear now these words from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There is also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. As some, if not many, of you know, About a year and a half ago, I left parish ministry to serve as the director of chaplaincy at the Allegheny County Jail. And it has been a weird, difficult, spirit-filled, infuriating, beautiful, holy time. There is something so holy and so special about sitting day after day with the very people Scripture calls us to sit with. In fact, it's very comforting. Because regardless of how broken the world outside seems, it's something concrete that Jesus told us to do. See Matthew 25. And it is something that those in that very vulnerable situation need more than anything. It's also something that Jesus, this strange king, shepherd, leader, servant, modeled for us. Right to the very end as we see in these final moments recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus didn't just visit the prisoner like he calls us to. He died in the midst of criminals, outcasts, unwanted people. I spend all day every day with those two men hanging on crosses on either side of Jesus in this passage and some women hanging on those crosses, and even some kids hanging on crosses. Not crosses made of wood, but made of addiction, 
mental health crises, poverty, racism, the indignity of having a record, being cut off from their families, spouses, parents, children, siblings, friends. And these are some of the very cruelest materials a cross can be made of these days. And yet thousands of people drive right past 1,500 people hanging on these crosses on a regular basis and hardly give them a second thought. They're not literal crosses, but they are crosses all the same. So this passage is very hard for me to read without getting emotional. Working with people who are labeled as criminals really changes one's perspective on this particular passage. I've now been in the jail long enough that it started to change the way I see and experience the world, and I think that that is mostly a good thing. I am currently reading a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving A, and the last word is one that all of my pastor friends have told me I'm not allowed to say from other pastors' pulpits, but you can fill in the blank. One of the main threads in this book is about how prioritizing what you give an F about is a huge part of happiness. So what if your favorite TV show got canceled? You can't let stuff like that steal your joy. You have to care about the important things. And while the book is not written specifically through a Christian lens, I would argue that the important things can, in our Presbyterian language, be called the kingdom of God. And I think this is something I'd already been honing in on since starting my work at the jail, but this book has helped me to put some words to it. The heights of joy and the depths of sorrow have become more saturated this past year and a half, and the stuff in between doesn't matter as much. I love photography, and I especially love how in Photoshop, you can adjust things like the color saturation and the lighting to really highlight the things that you want to stand out in the photo to show the beauty of the moment. And that's what this feels like. And ultimately, that is a happier, or at least a more emotion emotionally stable place to be. It can be exhausting when you are around suffering day after day, but it helps to pop so much of scripture and life into focus in a new way that is worth the exhaustion. And it's created this connection to God and to the people around me and to creation that helps to get through the weeks that feel like yo-yos or roller coasters, like this past one has been for me. Feel free to ask for photos of my new granddaughter after the service. And I know that you have all had those yo-yo weeks, too. And I have a feeling that this week was also one of those for more than one of you and for your whole church community. Please know that Chris and Dante and all of you have been in my prayers this week. Heather was a unique and beautiful person who will be dearly missed by many. And while this gospel passage today is full of suffering and hardship and ultimately earthly death, I hope that this morning we are able, together, to see the hope that is also woven through it. It's a perfect emotional roller coaster of a passage for an emotional roller coaster of a week. I have not preached this passage since I started working at the jail, 
And I will admit that getting into the nitty-gritty of studying it for a sermon in this new context really shook me. But it ultimately brought a great deal of comfort. The heights of joy and the depths of sorrow in this passage were more saturated for me, like it had been enhanced in Photoshop, so the important bits stood out. It's a very hard passage. It starts right off saying two others who were criminals were sent to the cross with Jesus. It's both reminding us that Jesus was not a criminal and the political powers killed him anyway, and that he died beside people who were criminals. We're not told what crimes they had been convicted of, but they were being put to death, so it must have been pretty bad. We don't know for sure if they were actually guilty, but the writer of this gospel seems to think they were. And Jesus doesn't seem to care that much about if they are. Jesus cares about them as people and how they are processing this horrific moment. We see in this passage two kinds of reactions that we also tend to have when we are faced with injustice, with traumatic situations, with pain and suffering and horrible circumstances that are sometimes out of our control or at least give us little control. Here are these two men being punished for their crimes next to Jesus. And the first says, if you're really so great, if you're really God's son, if you are truly the king they say you are, fix this. Get us out of here. The second says, look, we know what we did. We need to pay the earthly consequence for it. And then asks Jesus, remember me when I leave this earth, when you come into your kingdom. It's significant that Jesus is not the one who rebukes the first man who is crying out in his fear, pain, and desperation. It's the second man who says, have a little perspective, buddy. Jesus does not engage with the man who is lashing out in his pain. He's less worried about arguing with the angry man than he is about interacting with the one who is actively seeking him in that moment. And Jesus doesn't grill the man asking for forgiveness to see if he really means it. He gives him the benefit of the doubt, assumes that he does. And this is all very consistent with who we see Jesus being in his whole life and ministry, preaching freedom to the captive, healing to the sick, questioning the priests and politicians, and just generally turning things upside down from the way the world runs, standing up for fair treatment of women, talking to little kids so they would know how important they are, Jesus told people if they didn't feed the hungry, didn't care for the sick and homeless and visit the prisoners, they weren't a part of his kingdom. When we are faced with any suffering or tragedy, we are likely to respond in one of the ways these men suffering next to Jesus did. We might rail against God, and that is a normal human response that God's not going to argue with you on. So there's no judgment for me at all if that's where you are at this morning. Name your anger as present and valid and understand that not everyone is angry right now. 
There's a whole host of normal emotions that grief can bring out. Or we might, like the second man, feel drawn closer to God, and that is a normal and valid reaction as well, as long as it's an honest connection to God and not just a front to make it look like you're doing okay. This passage does not commend either response over the other. The first response, or rather the second response to the first man, is a little harsh and judgmental. I think we need to be careful not to be too flippant to those who might be angry right now. We all respond to pain in different ways, and that's okay. So while on the surface this passage is hard and difficult, it's my prayer for you that you find comfort in the fact that no matter who you are, or what you've done, or what has been done to you, or what you've gained or lost this week, or what price you might be paying for a past, Jesus sees you. Jesus doesn't just see us. This King Jesus died for us. Jesus didn't just die for us. Jesus dies with us. Jesus knows our pain in a real and present way. Jesus spent his very last breath telling a man who knew so many of the feelings we are feeling right now, you matter and there is a place for you in God's kingdom. It doesn't matter how much time we may or may not have left on this earth, even if we don't realize that until the end or what feels like too late, Jesus is still there right beside us, telling us, you matter. I didn't know Heather particularly well, but I knew her well enough to know that Jesus was right there beside her this week, telling her, you matter. She loved fiercely. She sought God's kingdom and justice. And I am confident that Jesus said to her, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So you may be angry at God today, or you may feel drawn closer. And those are both okay. Those are both normal. Either way, don't forget to keep seeking God's kingdom on earth. Either way, please see that Jesus is still there beside us in our pain and sorrow. Now, I hadn't seen this bulletin, or rather, it had been emailed to me and I had not read it in its entirety until after I wrote my sermon. And at the end, I decided I was going to try to lead you all in a song prayer together. But it is conveniently listed in the bulletin as the next hymn. That's the Holy Spirit at work, my friends, in case you were wondering. And so as we sing this hymn together, let it be a prayer. Let it be your prayer in this moment for yourself, for the people around you, for the world around you, for those you love, those you care about. Seek to make it sincere, let it soak into your spirit and your being. And we're singing through it a few times. And so just take that time to reflect and to breathe and to sit in it. Amen. Thank you.